0: Fantasy Football today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go!
1: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Cheney, and Heath. So you've been playing in the same fantasy league for years, and it's fun. You know, it's great. You got your two running backs, your two or three receivers, your flex. You made it a fab league. Maybe it's half PPR, whatever. But... You're, you're looking for more. You want some suggestions, some ways to make your fantasy league a little bit more fun, like maybe trading fab throughout the year or you know different ways to set a lineup. We've got some wacky ideas from our listeners. We've got some ideas from Ben and from Dave and from Ben Schrager. We're going to help you make your leagues even better and make you enjoy fantasy football even more. And we're going to do some rankings disputes. Tom Brady, we'll talk about him, James White, Adam Thielen, Evan Ingram. Here's a fun stat for you, James White. Um, In the last five seasons, there have been 28 times where a running back has had 60 or more catches. In 10 of those 28 times, the running back has caught five or more touchdowns. So that's 10 out of 28 times. James White has three of those five or more touchdown catch seasons. Doesn't happen that often, but James White is pretty damn good at it. Will he be able to do it again? Uh, Alongside Dave Richard and Ben Gretsch, and eventually Ben Schrager, I am amateur poker champion Adam Azer. Oh, no. And good day everyone. <laughs> You're not ah, a champion. Ah. We need to be very clear about this. Let's <laughs> well, crystal clear. You
2: you had, you had a child and and needed to quit did well, but we were dead even in chips. Mm-hmm. And so you literally forced me to chop the pot cuz you had to go. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I, get, I said, all right, you know, but I wanted to play it out. And
1: then what happened? And then we did play it out. And, and what then
2: happened? we said, okay, I actually had more chips. We said, okay, we'll just go all in. I go all in with a three, two, you go all in and you get pocket nines on the hole. we go, the hand we go all in on. That's not so exactly
1: what won. happened. I actually beat you a couple of times previous to that. And then you went all in. I, I, think I still had
2: more chips in you at that point because then we had to do a second hand and then you knocked me out.
1: Okay, fine. Well, whatever. I feel like a champion. And I hope you all were able to watch us on Twitch on Tuesday night. Next Tuesday, we'll be doing a mock draft. So it's twitch.com slash FF today. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's, we're having a lot of fun. It's really cool. And um, thanks, for, thanks for being there if you were there. Dave, you know, uh, well, the second half of the show is going to be dedicated to ways to spice up your league a little bit. But you were trying to start what seemed like could be the most fun fantasy league I ever I would have ever been a part of. Uh, it got canceled at the last minute, but you were going to start a league last year. I hope you consider doing it again. Talk about it and what you're going to do.
0: All right, everybody. Buckle up your seatbelts. This is how this is going to go down. It is a...
1: Buckle up your seatbelts. What, did you just get off the phone with the DMV or something?
0: Yeah, uh, 12-team <laughs> auction. Everybody starts your starts the auction with 200 bucks, And maybe that's even the buy-in for the league. Who knows? And you can spend... As much or as little in the auction as you'd like. Whatever you don't spend becomes your fab for the rest of the year. 15 roster spots. You must start one quarterback, and you must start 14 of the 15 players each week. Scoring would be... We 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 never really quite landed on the scoring. It's probably going to be something along the lines of four points for passing touchdowns and half-point PPR, half-point first downs, something like that. And, uh, yeah, just like a whole big... Um, fantasy football knowledge challenge where we see who can build the deepest roster and score the most points from week to week. So,
1: you could start fourteen quarterbacks.
0: Well, good luck getting fourteen quarterbacks, but
1: sure. Well, it's an auction. You could spend you could spend all your money on all the quarterbacks, I guess.
0: Yeah, but then it, it you know, the, it might overvalue quarterback. Maybe we need to put a limit on how many quarterbacks a, a team could have, or maybe we do team quarterbacks and you can't have more than two. Maybe something like that would have to happen. I, I, everybody should buckle the seatbelts, but I'm not sure if the car is working perfectly well here. <laughs> I do I do think that even with a quarterback limit, it would be pretty crazy to see what type of teams people would build. And um, yeah, uh, my favorite part is that everybody's a flex except for yeah i mean
2: the two things i love about this and i i am excited to try too, are the flexibility like you said everybody's a flex and i mean adam makes a point that's true like quarterback's the most scarce position so maybe there's got to be some type of limitation there but otherwise like you could do crazy things with your roster and then the second thing which we're going to talk about later in the show i'm sure but just like the the deeper roster idea that you were saying is is like such a Let's, like, I love leagues like that. I play in a couple. I think all leagues should be like that. Um, I think it's great to have a league where you have to start 14 people. And, and people in the league are going to be starting, you know, relatively uh, rotational players, but, like, that still matters, you know? Like, those players still matter, and I don't know. I think that's I think that's a fun way to play, personally.
1: Yeah, but it's it's not even – this. it's not necessarily deeper rosters because 15 roster spots is fairly typical, right? Sure. Uh, um. So – it does behoove you to leave some fab. If you're gonna to like, top of your head, what do you think you'd spend in the auction, and what do you think you'd leave for fab? Because remember, Dave said you get two hundred bucks for your auction. Whatever you don't spend is your fab for your fab budget for the year. Uh, zero dollar bids, Dave.
0: Uh, maybe in the fab, yes, but not in the auction, obviously.
1: Oh uh, yeah, right in fab. Uh, so how much would you save? How much do you think you'd spend in the draft and save for fab? You if know, if you have
0: zero
2: dollar uh, bids. That makes me go a little higher. Like I would probably, sorry,
0: sorry to cut you off there, but I'd probably go a little. I bet bet we're going to have the same answer.
2: Yeah, I was, if there was no $0 bids in FAB and you needed that money to be able to make transactions in season, I was going to say like 75% or 80% on the draft. Uh, If I can make $0 bids, I might go 85% or 90% on the draft.
0: Oh, I man, like, I was thinking more yeah, like... Yeah, no, not the same answer
2: I,
1: at all. Yeah, I was going to spend like 140 bucks and leave like 60 for fab or something like that.
0: Right. Like, so I, I, I yeah, would have gone... And I, who knows what I'll do when, when this thing comes up, but um, I, I would say maybe 125 as a as a floor for how much I would spend. And if I managed to find a couple of good values later on, uh, I would spend more than that and be totally comfortable getting maybe right around where you were saying, Adam, which is 150 or so, which... Isn't too far off from eighty percent of the total budget, but it it it's it's a it's an interesting league, and I think with all the smart people that we have uh, at CBS Sports, it the results could be really interesting. And the fact that there, I don't know how many bargains there would necessarily be. Remember my twenty fifty rule that we use for auctions. This is just regular auctions where you want to save at least twenty percent of your budget for the last half of the auction. That goes out the window here because there might be somebody willing to spend 90% of their total budget on the auction. And I'm not sure how many like great bargains there will be.
1: Right. And a lot of times the bargains are a quarterback, and that's not going to be the case here. Right. But I just want to read. I have a league up now. Decimal scoring, four point per passing touchdown, half PPR. Did you say if yours was full? I'm sure it was full, right? It's
0: always full. No, this one is half PPR, half first down. Oh, interesting. Which is just okay. like
1: the fishbowl. Half first down? Like passing first down as well or just rushing and receiving? Any
0: first down is worth half a point. Interesting. Okay. Which so, I like a lot better than PPR, by the way. Okay. You mean that's... receiving, though. Not quor- Quarterbacks don't get a point for passing for a first down. No. Oh, that's what I said. Rushing and receiving first down.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um... So, uh, okay, anyway, I'm looking at a league that's four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, half PPR, no first-down reward, I don't believe. Here are your top, I'll just read like 20 players, see how many quarterbacks there are. Lamar Jackson was barely ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Eight more points. Um, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. So that is, what, five of the first six players mm-hmm. are quarterbacks? Then you have Michael Thomas... Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes. And then we will get some non-quarterbacks in. Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott. Followed by Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Dalvin Cook, Jared Goff, Austin Eckler, Jimmy Garoppolo, Philip Rivers, Ryan Patrick. Very, very quarterback heavy. All right. Cool stuff. Uh, I hope we can play it this year. It's a fun idea if you guys Let's want make to it give it a shot. Let's yeah. do it. All right. Now I have to drop one and of And if there's leads. enough
0: interest from, from <laughs> listeners, maybe we'll do one like it for the listeners. Oh yeah, we could do that too.
1: CBS Fantasy Football platform is the best. That's where it'll be. You need to be playing on it. Uh, you, it's, I'm not biased by the way. It launches on Monday, so that means we're going to be releasing our new rankings, sleepers, breakouts, busts throughout the week. We've got four episodes of this podcast plan to get you ready for the 2020 season. You got to tune into CBS Sports HQ. Go to the website CBSSports.com/slash fantasy. Next week is a big, big week. Uh, a lot of good content coming out. And mock draft Tuesday night on Twitch. So fantasy uh, twitch.com slash FF today. Twitch.com slash FF today. The link is in the episode description. I'm giving you guys 10 minutes for this rankings dispute segment, and I'm sticking to it here. So don't spend all your time on the quarterbacks. All right, first rankings dispute is Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Dave a little higher on these old dudes than Ben, maybe because he's older than Ben. They're seven and eight in the rankings for Dave. They're eleven and twelve in the rankings for Ben, and there are three players specifically that Ben has ahead of Brady and Breeze that Dave has just behind them: Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, and Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. It's those four: Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz. Ben has those four ahead of the old guys. Dave has Brady and Breeze ahead of them. Ben, you have the floor.
2: I mean, I. I don't really have a huge negative take on these guys as much as I just, I like Josh Allen's rushing ability. I like Matt Ryan's passing upside. I I think they're going to throw a ton again every year. Dirk Cutter's been the coordinator in Atlanta. They've thrown a bunch. Um, I think they led the league in passes last year. Uh, I've talked a lot about Stafford. Wentz is for me is in a different tier than Allen Ryan and Stafford. And he's right at the top of the next tier with Brady and breeze. Um, and, I, and I, I think there's cases for for Brady Breeze, but I'm actually more interested on on Dave because I, I think it's kind of aggressive to have Brady at seven and and or Breeze at seven and Brady at eight personally.
0: So Tom Brady finishes the top twelve fantasy quarterback last year with absolute junk at wide receiver, and now you're you're taking him and you're putting him in Tampa Bay with not just Godwin and Evans, but Gronk too, and a fortified offensive line, and Bruce Arians telling him we don't want you to check it down. Go ahead and chuck it deep. Uh, that's, that's a recipe for great fantasy success, especially when you consider that their run game is a big old orange and white creamsicle colored question mark. I I think Brady's going to throw a bunch. I think he's going to be very good. I think he'll finish in the top 10. And, and I think he's got a great chance to get well over 4,000 yards and 30 total touchdowns. I don't know if I can say the same thing for Josh Allen. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not certain even with all the rushing prowess he has, and what we've seen the first years. I'm not sure if he can do it. And Drew Brees was great last year. He just got hurt. He was second in fantasy points per game at quarterback. He was second in consistency. He's been great nearly every year he's been in New Orleans. His schedule is amazing. His receiving core got better. His offensive line got better. They don't even have tough back-to-back games until you get to, like, November. So you guys, you go ahead and take your Josh Allen, and, and Matt Ryan's a tough one. Like, he's he's got all kinds of potential to be great, but we've seen his... his his inconsistency on a yearly basis kind of spawn itself. Stafford, if if that run game gets going like I think it will in Detroit, even if it's a little bit, I think that hurts Matthew Stafford. And I don't think the Lions necessarily want Stafford throwing the ball 30 times a game, 35 times a game. I I think the old guys are going to put up numbers again. And I really love the idea of waiting for them on draft day. I don't think I can get Brady in the double-digit rounds anymore, but in our drafts, Drew Brees has been going late. And I've been loving it when I've been able to get him.
1: Breeze has not shown any statistical decline. He's just not throwing as much. But yards per attempt, completion percentage. I mean, his completion percentage is just getting better and better. He's he's still amazing. Um, I'll just quick follow-up, though. Do you guys still think Tom Brady is a great quarterback? Because the last two seasons, he's been the number 12 quarterback in fantasy. But on a per-game basis, he's been like 17th, 18th in that range do you and there are obviously questions about how good he is at this point do you think Tom Brady is still a great quarterback
2: I think he's good enough to be fantasy to be I agree with a lot of what Dave said too I don't really hate those guys um, for fantasy I think Brady's as good as Jameis Winston good enough to be good in this offense for fantasy like Jameis Winston was
1: okay let's go to our next player it's James White he was 29th in non-PPR. This is going to be a PPR discussion, though. It should be with James White. He was uh, RB18 last year. Dave has him 32nd, and Ben has him 44th. And he catches a lot of touchdown passes. Five touchdown catches in three of his last four seasons. That's just rare for a running back, even one that gets as many catches as him, I would say. Uh, So, Dave, you're higher on him. You got him as a number three running back, James White.
0: He's one of my favorite number three running backs, bench running backs to get in PPR. He's given you at least 10 PPR points in 12 of 15 games last year, 12 of 16 the year before last year, the, the, the floor was good, but the ceiling was right there with the floor. I only had three games with uh, 10 plus and non in 2019. And I think only three games with 15 plus in PPR. So if you're looking for yardage and touchdowns of plenty, I don't see James White giving that to you, but he's going to have his role in the offense. And Jared Stidham, if he is the quarterback, if it's Brian Hoyer, then no one is going to be that exciting to have in New England. But Stidham to me, just from watching his college film, and I haven't gotten around to the preseason, and I don't know how much I'm really going to watch his preseason film from last year, but I I think he handles the pocket well. And I think he does a good job of running like a, a simplified offense where you're getting the ball out quick. He definitely leaned on his slot receivers. He definitely threw screens to his running backs and dump-offs to his running backs. I don't think James White's role is going away. I think he's still going to be in that exact same passing-downs role that he's been in the last couple of years. And when I'm looking for running backs toward the back half of my fantasy draft, he's going to stick out, and there's going to be a lot of people who go, oh, I don't want him. He's the Patriot, and Patriot's offense is going to suck, or oh, he's old. I don't care. He's still going to catch anywhere from four to eight passes per game. He'll get decent yardage off of that. Maybe he falls into the end zone. Perfect type of running back to use on bye weeks or, uh or as a flex.
1: Okay. Not so much, Ben.
2: No, I mean, I think he, Dave kind of laid out the, the places where you can draft white. If like, if you're doing a zero running back or something like that, I think these types of, of receivers make sense, but um I, you know, I think about a whole range of outcomes, Adam, you noted that he's caught five plus touchdowns three times in the last four seasons. That's really high for a running back. I don't think he does that without Brady. Like, I think those touchdowns come down immediately. Um, He had 12 TDs one season as well, because he had five rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, I I just, I don't, there's no way that he can kind of match that type of scoring and statistical prowess. But I also think, um, you know, the big question is like, wh- how much does this role change? Dave's right; like he's gonna he's gonna still be their passing downs back. But um, I, I think there's a really good chance this offense looks a lot different. I think Belichick's probably going to try to win this year based on defense and running the ball. I, I think we'll see a little bit more of Damian Harris, who we didn't see at all in his rookie year. If they took like, they took him in like the third round, and obviously Sony is still there. Um, I think there's going to be more of a ball control, low scoring type of old school offense. We know he's always kind of fit his personnel and he he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. So I don't know why they would throw a bunch. I actually think if they're really bad, it, it is good for White, but I don't know how horrible they're going to be. I think they're just going to play low scoring kind of defense, ball control, boring type games. I think that hurts White's receiving upside. I think that hurts his ceiling in particular. He's been able to have a really high ceiling, especially in 2018. But now to me, he's just one of these boring pass catching backs with no ceiling. And I would only take him in certain circumstances where I need to actually. Potentially start him, uh, you know, like a zero running back type build or a one running back build, where I didn't take my second back until the eighth or ninth round, uh, assuming he's you know fallen to that point. But otherwise, like this is an older back in a much worse offense who's not going to catch the passes or get the TDs that he used to get.
1: Okay, would you guys rather have Raheem Mostert or James White in PPR?
0: Mostert, Mostert for me too.
1: Okay, would you rather have Keyshawn Vaughn or
0: James White? Vaughn. Any any running back with a semblance of upside is going to go before James White. But
1: James White, I mean, he didn't have a special year last year, and he was still RB eighteen in PPR. Right. You he, know, like you they, know they tried he, to be defense and running last year too. They threw but they we're in the. We talk about how
2: bads like the R the low NRB ones are. Like they they they're disappointing. They're just the guys who stayed healthy. So you're saying he was RB eighteen in PPR? Like in, in some respects, it's just because he stayed healthy and played. 15 games. He had 900 total yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, but you haven't ranked in the 40s.
1: <laughs> What's that? You haven't ranked in the 40s. I'm not telling you to rank him 18th.
2: No, I know. I, I like Again, he had 900 yards and six TDs, 70 catches. I don't think he gets anywhere near 70 catches. I don't think he gets anywhere near 900, 900 total yards without Brady. Like, I, I think those numbers are coming down. I don't think he's getting to 18. I'm just saying, also, 18 for a full season line compared to like you know points per game, it looks different at running back.
1: Well, I'm curious to see what. Let me see where he finished points per game. I'll come back to that. Let's go to our wide receiver. Obviously, we're going more than 10 minutes. Unfortunately, Adam Thielen is. Uh, you you guys, never,
2: you never thought we were going 10 minutes.
1: I, I thought maybe 12. I don't think <laughs> we, we can make there. up time on Adam Thielen if you want. Well, you guys don't have him that different in the rankings, but I know you wanted to talk about him. If you want, I can inject a little drama here. I had been taking Adam Thielen in the second round in all of our mock drafts after the Stefan Diggs trade. I'm gonna pull it back. I, I think there's just too much of a chance that they barely throw the ball, and I went and I looked at. I looked at the five teams that were that had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL and their leading target getter. And George Kittle, I gave him a 16-game pace. was like 122 targets. He was the only one on those five teams that had more than like 106 or something like that, like 106 pace. So there's too much of a chance that Thielen is just a victim of their offense. But I will say if, if, they, if he gets like 120 targets, then he's going to be second-round player. I think I just I think you have to be concerned about the injury and the age because he's been banged up two straight years and you have to be concerned about the, the how much they're going to throw the ball. But if their defense takes a step back and they have to throw, I think th- Thielen's going to be amazing because he's great every time he gets the ball thrown to him. Um, but I I guess I just need to bake in the risk a little bit more. Where would you guys take him?
0: I mean, I, th- I think that's a good summary of, of Adam Thielen. And it, it's kind of a simple argument because they they've removed Stefan Diggs. They're replacing him with with Justin Jefferson and Tajay Sharp. And yeah, you know, with all credit due to to both of those fine fine athletes, I don't think either one of them will have a chance to lead the Vikings in targets. And I think Thielen might lead the targets uh, lead the Vikings in targets by a mile. We know that he's got a good connection with Kirk Cousins. We saw it in two thousand eighteen. We saw it at the beginning and the end of two thousand nineteen. But what stood out to me with Thielen, and this is particularly in the case of a team like the Vikings that wants to run the football a lot, his success was predicated on how well the run game was going. And just to tie it into fantasy, eight of 15 games in which uh, a Minnesota running back did not have 15 or more PPR points, Thielen did. He got to that 15 point mark. And, and in 2018, he got to the 20 point mark a lot. Only a third of the time over the last two seasons, five, uh, I'm sorry, a quarter of the time, five out of 20 games. Where a Minnesota running back had 15 PPR points, Thielen also did. So if Dalvin Cook doesn't hold out and he shows up and he stays healthy and he's awesome, I would not expect a good year from Adam Thielen. And if Dalvin Cook gets banged up or he holds out or the Vikings defense isn't 100%, then Thielen's going to be well worth that second round pick that you've been taking him with.
2: Yeah. And we've talked, Dave, you and I, obviously, about how some of that stat is tied into game script running back score points when they're leading and when the Vikings win, they're going to run the ball. They want to run the ball. It's not a lot. It's not very dissimilar to um, who's that guy that we talk about. Oh yeah. AJ Brown. (laughs) Um, You know, the Titans are going to run the ball when they're leading and they want to. And Thielen's situation is not very dissimilar to that. I just don't understand why he goes so high. And and as, as a 30 year old before the season starts who's coming off a hamstring injury, um, you know, compared to somebody like Brown who is an emerging young player whose ceiling might be, uh, ahead of him, as opposed to Thielen, whose ceiling is probably behind him. I don't know that he's going
1: to go that high. I think that it might just have been me, because I think I think uh, ADP might might put him more toward the end of the third round, you know? And, you know, maybe that's where everybody's going to be more comfortable with Adam Thielen, but we shall see. Uh, Evan Ingram is our last guy. He, you know, believe it or not, he was on pace for like 100... He was on pace for 136 targets last year. If Evan Ingram gets 136 targets... He's gonna. He could be a league winner. And the weird thing is, he didn't even have that high of a target share in the eight games he played. It was lower than Kelsey's. It was lower than Kittle's. It was lower than Waller's. So um, the Giants, obviously, their defense stinks, and they threw the ball a ton. But Evan Ingram is eighth for Dave and fifth for Ben. Ben, uh, first word on Ingram.
2: Yeah, I think we've talked all offseason about how ten and five is where things get tough, and you kind of have a preference. We know Dave likes Higby. He's talked about him. Um, Ingram for me, it's the targets and, and yes, he's injury prone. And, and that's true. And, but you, you totally talked about his, his target pace. Um, he's been that way essentially since he, he joined the NFL, uh, three years ago, he's also been injury prone since he joined the NFL, but he had 115 targets as a rookie in 15 games. He had a good start to 2018 before getting hurt. He had a good start to 2019 before getting hurt. You know, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the injury prone ideas. Um, I, I do think there are guys that, that, I think recurrence of injuries is is a concern. Right. And so like I, I I said that with Adam Thielen, who's a 30 year old coming off a hamstring. That's one we know recurs. Um, I don't know that we should have as much of a concern with Ingram specific injuries. Uh, but they are like foot injuries for the most part. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm, he's a
0: little scary. You're about (laughs) to find out
2: (laughs) he's, he's 25. Yeah. I know foot injuries can recur too. I mean, we've had that concern with Julio and a lot of guys, but, um, he's 25 he's going into his prime it's just one of those things where I, I i can't write this guy's whole career off i feel like there's going to be at some point a year where he plays 16 games and when he does based on how much volume he's seen per game his whole career he's going to be a top five tight end maybe a top three tight end uh he's just such a good athlete and such a good receiving player so it's just one of those guys i know people are exhausted with how hurt he's been and he's sunk so many people's teams but as when i look at this big group from tight end five on He's the guy that I think has the biggest upside, and and really it's just can he stay healthy.
0: So I I agree with a lot of what Ben's saying, um, including the recurring injuries part, because Ingram's had a lot of them. Since the start of 2017, he's had two concussions. He's had an MCL. He's had a hamstring, and he's had foot surgery. So this isn't a case of where he pulls a hamstring, comes back a little too soon, pulls it again, and has to miss a bunch of time like Adam Thielen had to do last year. He he's he's gotten himself beat up, and I I I hate it because the potential is there. Uh, Twelve of nineteen games the past two seasons, double digits in PPR points. It's exactly what you're looking for at tight end. If you could promise me that he'd play at least twelve games, I'm taking him as my fifth or sixth tight end because I really like Tyler Higby a lot. But I I can't count him for all that. But I do agree with you on the point that you made, where if you take Ingram. And if you want to take a second tight end, it's not that big of a chore. And in fact, it might be kind of fun to hunt and peck for that second tight end on draft day and then carry that tight end. And and the worst case scenario is you strike out with Ingram and then you strike out with the other tight end. But if one of those tight ends hits, it's going to be good. And if both of them hit, Ingram stays healthy and you get John Smith and he ends up being great for Tennessee, then your team's loaded and you can move one of your tight ends. And maybe even it's Ingram.
2: And the case I used to always make with Jordan Reed – another obviously very injury prone tight end and it never really worked out because reed's been just so injury prone lately but if you know a guy's going to be really good when he's on the field and you do what dave just said and draft a second tight end what you're getting from your tight end spot on a week-to-week basis is the ingram production when he's healthy and the other guy when ingram's out because you get the advantage of knowing he's not playing that week and you can put someone else in your lineup that's uh more advantageous to your lineup for the full season in terms of your team's tight end production than a player who might um, score more points in Ingram for the full season, but not be as good on a week to week basis just because that player played 16 games um, because their duds are in your lineup, right? Like they're active.
1: I I don't, I don't know that we know how good he is yet though, because his first two seasons, Ingram, he really wasn't good when Beckham played. All of his production basically came without Odell Beckham. And then last year, he had two huge games, week one and week three. 116 yards and a touchdown, 113 yards and a touchdown. He was pretty crap. He was pretty lousy, yeah. I mean, he was usually around 50 yards uh, every other game, and he only scored in one other game. You know, it was was disappointing. But, um, you know, I think it's two years in a row he's been, like, number seven tight end on a per-game basis. Lots to say about him. We will uh, we will get to it. It's June 11th. so we got plenty of time. Uh, I asked for a 10 minute segment. I think you guys gave me a 17 minute segment. You guys always give me 170 percent. That's why I love you. Dave and Ben. <laughs> I also love Ben Schrager. We're gonna find out if he has ever heard of who's on this show today. Um, has he ever heard of the show Guts? We'll find out when we come back, and we'll talk about the best league rule ideas if you're looking to spice things up a little bit. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster,
0: Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
3: Do you have them?
0: Ben
1: Schrager, do you have
3: guts? No idea what this (laughs) refers to. (laughs)
1: <laughs> How about you, Dave Richard, Mister Agro Crag over there? Oh, uh, do you know it? What, Dave? No, I don't think I do. Ben, you know Guts, right?
2: Yeah, it's like one of those old Nickelodeon yeah. shows. Like uh, what's the other one? Legend of the Legend Head of, and Temple Legend and all those, those shows. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. Guts was Guts was amazing. It's a great... old Nickelodeon shows. To me, an old Nickelodeon show is you can't do that on television. Yeah, not that old. Nickelodeon
2: Guts. It was like a kids. Uh, Physical type game show where they did things and and then they got like slimed on guts. Right? Was it slime?
1: I, no, I don't think they got slimed on guts. I think okay. I think guts was a slime-free show, believe it or not. Uh, it oh, was, that was Family Double there. Yeah, there's a lot of these old old Nickelodeon shows. Though this is a good, a good call. Was that Mark O'Malley who was hosting Guts? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to look at that. Up. Okay. So no on guts. Uh, let's keep going on the list. Ben Trager, do you know Ali G?
3: No. Nah. Really? Oh, Ali uh, G. Is I think like a singer? A... Uh,
1: <laughs> you know Borat? Yes. Okay, Borat was a character on the Ali G show. Ali G was one of the characters. Borat, Bruno, and Ali G. So it was a Sasha Baron Cohen show. That wasn't even that long ago.
2: Got yeah, I, know I know thought this. he had a chance at that one. Yeah, me too.
1: Oh, you know this will be a fun twist. I'll say a name, Ben and Dave. Do you think Ben knows it? And then we'll we'll get the answer. Uh, well, the, 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 the submission was Jaleel White, but I'll change it to Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel, do you think Ben Schrager knows Steve
3: Urkel? Yes. Yeah. Schrager B? Oh, yeah. <laughs> boy can dance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. And then finally, has Ben ever burned anything downloaded from Napster? Have you ever burned something downloaded from Napster? Ben and Dave, do you think he's burned a CD with Napster songs?
2: I think he knows what this is, but has never done it.
3: I don't think he even knows what it is. I do. No idea. I would ask for iTunes gift cards for Christmas, get my music that way. No don't idea what know Napster, what Napster
0: is. is. Thank you.
3: Wow. Napster was a... Uh... You know
0: what? It's it's a safe bet to say no to anything unless it's like related to sports, like directly related to sports or like memes. At Napster? Like, <laughs> No, there's no chance he knew that. Napster was like a big deal. It changed the whole music industry. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, but Ben was like four when it happened. I thought maybe he learned about it in a history class. Yeah, right? I mean,
1: it was was a huge (laughs) deal. All right, let's uh, let's get an email of the day from Pat in Ohio. Pat from Ohio, you know him. He says, what is up, fellas? I'm a proud commissioner of three leagues, and in all three leagues, my roster spots consist of two wide receivers, two running backs, one tight end, one wide receiver tight end flex, and one wide receiver running back tight end flex. I really like the wide receiver tight end flex spot a lot. I feel like this format – I like this format the best since some real NFL teams run two tight end sets. How do you feel about it? So he's got the standard flex, but then he also has just the wide receiver slash tight end flex, cannot be a running back. This is a little twist here, Uh, maybe a way to jazz up your league. What do you think about this from Pat in Ohio? And he says, have a lovely evening. (laughs)
2: i've played in a bunch of leagues that do this just the wide receiver tight end flex years and years ago we got rid of tight end in my main league and did three wide receiver tight end flex spots but then like nobody really played tight ends i didn't like that as much but i've also played in ones that have a dedicated tight end spot like he describes plus a wide receiver tight end flex um and the other flex instead of being all three is just wide receiver running back um it's actually a super flex league so there's like a a QB flex as well, but there's one that's only wide receiver and tight end. I like it. I think it's a a good way of splitting it out. And and we know that a lot of tight ends um, kind of play both positions as well. And um, I I think if you add too many flexes, like you can get people to just go really running back heavy and and maybe that's not, you know, the best solution for for fantasy for somebody to be able to start four or five running backs. So I kind of like this.
0: Well, those people that go running back heavy, they'll go to set their lineup and they'll think, all right, this is awesome. I'm going to start four running backs this week. And then they realize they can't because one of the flexes won't let you do it. So it's, I feel like it's just one of those things that you have to keep in mind. If you've got unique types of flexes, it's a lot easier to handle when, if you're in a super flex where you know that most weeks it's going to be a quarterback that you'll start there anyway. Uh, Not that you have to, but you probably should, unless you've got a really good replacement for the quarterback, if your quarterback sucks and whatever, but I, 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 this is one of those things I think people really don't think about until something happens that affects them.
3: and if yeah. if you
0: know that you're starting a you know a few more receivers or tight ends from week to week or that you might want to start an extra receiver tight end, maybe you prioritize that position a little bit more when you get to the middle of your draft, not necessarily at the beginning of the draft.
1: Okay. so Shaggy B got a lot of responses on Facebook and on Twitter of some league rule ideas. So let's see what we got from Facebook. Schrager, you, this was your baby, so I'll let you go ahead and read some. Go ahead, read, read the first one from Dave Pitsnoggle.
3: This is the most common response. It was no trade vetoes. So, oh, yeah. Dave, what
0: do you think of this rule? Goes without saying you shouldn't have trade vetoes at all. Eh, the commissioner should let wrong. everybody act as, you know... Boom, grown adults. You make your own decisions. You're in this league. You paid for the league. You run the team the way you want. If you make a dumb trade, a commissioner's not going to help you. If you make an unfair trade, the commissioner can step in and say, All right, look, that's, that's, a that, that's a trade
1: veto. That's a trade veto. You veto
0: it exactly. That's a
1: trade that like, but it's you can't not, be like,
0: There's no trade vetoes unless you do have that. The- it should be. A trade that's so bad the rest of the league is in an uproar. Fine, you're describing a veto.
1: That's and then fine, you veto right. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. If I agree with you. Dave. League,
0: if everyone else in the league is upset about it, and you call that a veto, then fine. But one commissioner vetoing a trade, I'm against that completely. So you're good for vetoes against a commissioner veto. If it's got to be like a unanimous league-wide veto.
2: The only time I would allow vetoes, and this is not even when necessarily, it's even more limited than what Dave said. It, there could be unanimous league-wide veto, but if the person vehemently defends their trade and they want that trade, uh, I think oh, we yeah, all have different opinions of, of value. Because, like, I think I may have mentioned this before, but I go back to Cam Newton's rookie year. He was a late-round pick in my league, and Eric Decker was a a free agent taken off the of the waiver wire, and somebody traded Michael Vick, who they had taken in the first round uh with the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson who had taken like the 6th round after like week 3 for Cam Newton on his hot start and Eric Decker who he had picked up off off waivers and everyone was like you can't trade your first round pick and your 6th round pick for a, a 14th round pick and a free agent 3 weeks into the, into the year and that's not good value but he wanted to make the trade and we ended up not allowing it and what happened was from that point on Cam Newton and Eric Decker were better I mean sometimes people are just early on something you have to like, you can't decide what's good value and what's not good value. I think the only time you do it is when somebody is not actually interested. I mean, obviously collusion, right? But collusion is a hard one. Yeah. Collusion is not a, is a hard one to prove, but sometimes people just do it because they don't care enough. And when you, like, I think the way you handle it is the commissioner goes and questions that person, can you defend this trade? And they'll just be like, ha, I just did it. I think it's fun. I can do whatever I want kind of thing. But if they're not actually trying to make their team better, That's when I think you can get into vetoing.
1: Absolutely. Veto everything. Okay, uh, Ben, why don't you combine our next two?
3: Next two, let's see what... Heat's not here, so can't defend the kicker ban, but Kyle Olson says no kickers, and Jacob Andrew Biller says kickers should get decimal points. 49-yard field goal, 4.9 points. So where do you guys stand on that? I like that second
1: option better. I'm not in on the ban kickers thing. I think it's a cool idea to give them a point for uh, you know a decimal point for every yard.
0: I think kickers should be lumped in with DSTs. Interesting. That's and you can I'm make you, you, kickers you can make one the scoring exactly what you said Ben and that that certainly makes it more interesting and you know kickers are I guess are just like kind of random for fantasy anyway. But I I would rather and we've been doing this in our mock drafts. We've been we've been removing kickers from our mock drafts and using the extra round so that people can go and get one extra player. And you can do that in your drafts if you eliminate kicker or if you include the kicker with the DST.
1: Or
2: just that a round. I'm kicker one, and then the scoring would be definitely two. I've never understood why field goal scoring didn't include decimals. Every other, you know, as soon as decimals started, every other yard mattered to the decimal except field goals. A 49-yard field goal was the same as a 40-yard field goal. That made no sense ever to me.
0: All right, keep it going. Do you lose points if you miss a field goal?
1: Another cool idea. If you miss
0: a fifty-yard field goal, is that a minus five?
1: No, I think it's like a like an interception, like a minus two, maybe a minus one. Not a minus five. I like that. I think a minus one. All right, all right, I could dig that. Like you know, I never understood in our points leagues in baseball why a stolen base is two points, but a caught stealing is minus one. Should clearly be minus two. All right, Shaggy, keep going.
3: Christian Elias says your skill player shouldn't lose points on a muffed punt since he can't score you any points in that scenario. So that's if you've got a guy who plays a running back who plays special teams, muffs a punt, it's a minus two. Yeah. I think course. this is ridiculous. Agreed.
1: Well, like it's, you think it's a good idea?
3: Great idea. Terrible current rule.
1: Agreed. Next one.
3: Wait. Next one? If, if, he, ahead, can,
2: if he can return the punt for a TD and get six points then he should lose points. Right, but if
0: your league doesn't allow special yeah. teams, if your league doesn't allow you're starting special teams yeah.
3: units, I can agree with that for sure. All right, this one's more controversial. Steven Myerson, QB taking a kneel should not be negative yards. Not, con- guess, not controversial at all. Uh,
1: yes, it's a great great idea.
3: There's nothing
2: worse than Monday Night Football <laughs> losing a fantasy matchup because your quarterback kneels out the win. It's
3: there's nothing worse. I've
1: never it's never happened to me. I see the complaints all the time but it's never happened. I've never lost a Monday night football game like that.
3: I've won in that scenario and it's great. <laughs> so I'm kind of in favor of it.
1: <laughs> it's a horrible rule, yeah. Get away with get get do away with it.
3: Call uh, a sack. Next one, yeah, call a sack is fine. Uh Ray Zegri says ditch PPR for points per first down. Or like Dave said earlier 0. 0.5 PPR 0. 0.5 first down. What do you guys think of the first down scoring?
0: I feel like you accomplish more. It, it's an accomplishment to catch a pass in a football game, right? And and that's what we're doing. We're rewarding stats for accomplishments. But getting a first down is a pretty big deal, too. So I, I either like the combo or and maybe we should do a little bit more of this with our drafts. It's just more no PPR and full point per first down. The old PPFD.
2: Well, so my issue with that is you're kind of just replacing one issue with another. Everyone hates PPR because – Oh, some of these catches are at the line of scrimmage. You don't get right. any yards. A reception right, right, it doesn't right. matter. You shouldn't get a point for a catch behind the line of scrimmage. Well, it, it's first downs are a lot like touchdowns sometimes, where the person who scores them is not necessarily the person who deserves it or got you the closest. Like just because a fullback runs in a one yard TD or oh, you know, a one yard run potentially doesn't necessarily to, to convert a first down doesn't necessarily mean they were that that player. And it actually happens quite a bit. Um, where any essentially any completion that's not a first down, you know these eight nine yard completions, they wind up being rushing first downs a lot of the time. Not every time, but it happens quite a bit. Running backs rack up a lot more first downs, and um, it, it impacts receivers negatively compared to PPR because not every catch is a point. And all these eight seven nine yard completions that don't go for first downs, I so I, I like the half and half. Like I, I don't I don't want to ruin one issue with the other, so we we minimize the value of these. Zero yard catches, but we also don't overdo it to where we're giving a bunch of value for two yard in clouded dust runs out of goal line formations on third and one. You know, that's the, I don't like
3: that. Adam, this one's for you. <laughs> Brett Greaser says, swap one bench player into your lineup if they go off. You can only do it once a year. You swap the bench guy retroactively. Ooh.
1: Mm, I don't think so. I think that's too unfair.
3: I love it. Even if it's once a year?
1: I can't I don't think you can do it lead. once a year because then what it happens to the
2: same guy? Imagine being on the other side where everyone used their one time against you, <laughs> just because that's how it worked out. That would suck. I, I mean, think that's maybe so much fun, maybe now. you give every
0: <laughs> maybe you, you give every on. fantasy if it's done manager. To you, do you get the right to swap out a player after the fact too?
1: Well, or maybe you get I'd one, one yes. veto a year. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Maybe and like, you, you, like get you get one chance. Could I play yeah. a little defense and say, okay, uh, you can swap out one player, but I get to take another player from your lineup and put them on the bench for somebody else. Maybe that's not right. Maybe oh, it's just you huge. also get to replace a player.
3: You get rebuttal, I think, if someone does it against you. But that that counts as your
0: one for the whole year. No, I don't I think.
3: I, I don't no, know see, about if someone that. does like it
0: that. to you, you should get a freebie that time.
2: It's like getting a challenge successful. You get an extra challenge.
0: Wait,
1: I. How about how about. If you do this, you swap one bench player into your lineup if they go off, maybe allow it only once per season. It has to be during the early games, either Thursday or uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday. You have to have some level of uncertainty about whether or not you're going to win.
0: Yeah, I like that. You can't. Just, it can't be a mathematical equation. It, yeah. Maybe it has to be done before the Sunday night game.
2: The other way of talking no, about no, this I think is before the four o'clock. Or maybe spots. it has to
0: be done before that player's game ends.
2: Yeah, I would like that. Oh, I, I like it, that. Yeah. Adam, where there's uncertainty, I definitely agree with that.
1: <laughs> you swap someone in, and then the person you took out it goes off of the fourth quarter or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. You guys. The way you, we
2: we've talked about this though, and I added into uh, a column that we wrote in our magazine that you should read. It's on uh, newsstands everywhere. That um, we talked a little bit about the you know some of these ideas, and one of the the notes I had was inst- like make a couple of the bench spots. We talked about this on the show like back in January, but a couple of the bench spots, backup spots, and you have to dictate them before the week and you do this every week and not everyone on your bench it's not full best ball but you have a couple spots in case somebody gets hurt in the first quarter or something you do have somebody that swaps in if he plays better
3: i like that so that matches up with bluegrass resistance suggestion a halftime substitution if someone gets hurt in the first half you can dedicate one player to be that sub love that
0: I do think once upon a time, th- yeah, I do like that idea. We had a fantasy game on CBS where you could do that in game. And it wasn't a once a year type thing, you could do it every week. But it was before the time of iPhones and mobile devices and instantaneous notifications. And so it didn't really work then, but it could work now because people are so locked into their fantasy games. and. We have ways to contact people, and everybody carries their cell phone with them most of the time. Uh, if if you got an alert on your phone, Julio Jones went out first quarter against New Orleans. Would you like to replace him now? Well, of course, everybody's going to stop what they're doing and and replace him with someone on their fantasy bench. So this, is, it's just this for could injury? be a direction where fantasy goes in the future, for sure.
1: This is just for injury, we're saying?
3: Just for injury. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And it says you get the first half points from one player and the second half points for the other, and the player can't have started their second half. So you don't get that other player's full game. You just get a second
0: half. Mm. So now what happens if Julio is playing in the 1 o'clock game and he gets hurt in the first half, and I want to replace him with Philip Dorsett, who's now with Seattle, and he's got a late game?
2: You only, only get, get Dorset's. Second,
0: second half? Yeah. Not the whole <laughs> like game? That. Yeah. Fine. But okay, listen. Whatever it is, you'll take it, because nothing's worse than having – you know, DJ Moore gets hurt and he's gone for the game. That happened late in last In the championship, people.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, ben, why don't we go? And by the way, there has to be some like it can't be a quarterback. You know, you can only substitute a quarterback for a quarterback. You you cannot. Yeah, it has to be
3: same position. Same position. Well, okay. what if it's
1: super flex? Then you can only. Then you're
3: fine.
2: If it's no, a super I am position. not can okay. Can I put in Taysom Hill and only get a second half receiving? <laughs> <points>? <laughs> All
1: right, uh, let's go to the tweets, Ben. What are people saying on Twitter?
3: All right. First tweet, JVK. You should be able to trade Fab dollars. I do this in a lot of leagues. Yeah, that's yep.
1: that's fine. Good one,
3: Mike Franco. DST points for a fourth down stand. Oh yeah, I
0: like that, that too. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey, could could you trade waiver positions? What if we're like trading do Fab get? dollars? Yeah, like a player. Yeah, I'll give you this player. You let me have your your spot on waivers this week.
1: Yeah,
2: I like that. I mean, it's that the same thing work. as saying, pick up this guy off waivers for me if you want this player for your waiver spot, right, and then right. you do it after the fact, but I don't see why you shouldn't be able to do it before. I but love this fourth down the, stand, though. It's a turnover. It's a turnover on downs. Why do
0: we not yeah, get should two be points worth, it? It should be worth two points, just like yeah. any other turnover mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. yeah, but does it matter? Like, at the end of
3: the game, every team is going for it. Fourth and 25, you should get two points for that?
0: That's a I good point. I think so. I mean, technically, yeah, because it's a turnover. It's a stand Some
3: of those situations
2: that, I mean, that defense won that game and they're they're getting these late stands. Sometimes they didn't even get a lot of points because of how the game went. Well, they should sure. get some points there. They won. Yeah. They did good. I like it. And it's not it's yeah, not any different
1: true. than like, oh, Hail Mary at the end of the first half gets intercepted It right. plays meaningless and you get two points for it. True. All right, what All else? Right, last
3: one. This is right up Ben Gretch's alley from Philly TM. S- I want three wide receivers and two flexes for every 10 to 12 team league. The more the merrier. 22 round draft, real deep teams. Go for it. Five receivers, four flexes. Put it on the board.
1: I don't see a reason why not to like have more, more lineup spots. It's let's, let's start that already.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Agreed.
1: All right. So this is great.
2: This is a great start. What are some of the best
1: suggestions that we saw today? some of your really good
0: there's a lot of stuff that we can take to our developers for sure
1: kick kicker decimal points is great i think the fourth down stand kicker decimal points
0: we can already do on cbs
2: yeah i'm assuming schrager cultivated these from a lot of comments and he picked some really good ones
0: so what were some of the bad ones well There, there were most
3: of the ones that were bad were stuff that you could just do you could ask your commissioner to do some of it's hard logistically. The first half, second half scoring. The, even the muff punts, it's hard
2: in a box score to, to to figure out where the fumble came from. You have to kind of go to the play-by-play level. So some of it I understand the logistical stuff on where you don't know where the stats came from. But like the field goal thing should be done now. Turnover on downs should be easy to do now. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that shows up in a box score, but it should be easy to do. Take, QB taking a new, knee shouldn't be negative yards. I'm all on that too. I like the... the uh, half a point for the first down and switching to half PPR, half point for a first down. I mean, I like all these.
1: The the most impactful one would be the substitute for an injured player. Yeah. That would be one that I think is really worth looking into.
0: You guys want to hear some that might not be as popular? <laughs> sure. Okay. These are, these are some of the ones that I remember from years and years of listening to people pitch ideas. Here's one. You get a point if your player is on the field, even if somebody else scores the touchdown, so on if it's a scoring play and the running back scores, but you've got the receiver on the team, you get a point. The worst idea I've ever it. heard. Yeah, awful. No. Goal line touchdown should count for half. Ooh, Not like terrible.
2: It. I like it. No, it's a
3: touchdown. Yeah, it's valuable It's to
1: touchdown. One
0: one it's bad. It's one actually pretty yard. Bad. yard it's pretty Versus, bad. you know, somebody that's going to go and get a long yard. My argument to that is: well, if someone scores a long touchdown run, you get the points for the yardage anyway. You get the
3: yards, yeah.
2: If it's okay. a short TV, if there's a like, I would say if you're going to do something like that, you should give the other half of the touchdown points to the longest play on the drive whoever had the longest play on the drive. If there was a 20-yard run that set up a, a one-yard touchdown run, a 20-yard run gets half the touchdown
0: points. What if, what if the longest play on the drive is a penalty? Well, hold on. What, Pass what, interference call.
1: What, what if somebody true. gets stopped inside the one-yard line or at the one-yard line, and then another player scores a touchdown? What if you split the touchdown points? But it's vulturing. So, so it's just one of it. the most fun things in well, fantasy, Well, you weren't really right? saying that. You said to the longest play on the drive. I'm saying specifically <laughs> in quotes maybe. somebody gets inside the one-yard line, doesn't score, next play, running back runs it in, now AJ Brown and Derrick Henry split those points.
0: Right, and what if it's not even? What if it's like a a, a big fullback that gets
2: anything it? anything that takes points away from Derrick Henry and gives them to AJ yeah, Brown? Yeah, that's why I, I did that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get I'd get you on board. All right,
0: last last possibly bad idea. Any points in obvious garbage time? So if a team's down twenty one plus in the fourth quarter, cut in half. Call this a Blake Bortles rule.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's just game script though, right? If your team is up by a lot, your running back's gonna get a ton of points. Do you then cut that running back's points because the team was up by a lot?
0: I mean, technically it's garbage points, right? This is a this is the worst one yet.
3: So
2: no. one of the ways that you yeah, can impact this and and Scott Fish did it in the Scott Fish Bowl this year is to to give quarterbacks negative points for like incompletions and things like that. They, they tend to throw more in, in garbage time, they tend to throw more completions at garbage time and more interceptions and and he has negative four points for an interception as well, and negative one for every incompletion. So the Jameis Winston type stat lines, he's the guy that's like most affected by that change where he would rack up so many yards and, and even touchdowns, but also rack up interceptions and a lot of incompletions. Um, in the traditional scoring, James Winston could be a top five quarterback. In that type of scoring where there's more negative for bad quarterback events and these garbage time events, he goes down to like, the I think it was like the 14th quarterback or
1: something. Wow. It's
2: a huge change.
1: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, thank you, everybody, for the suggestions. Dave, thank you for the horrible suggestions at the end there. Fun stuff. Let's make some changes. Let's put this into action. For the record, action. they
0: weren't suggestions. I, I totally made it clear that they weren't necessarily good suggestions.
1: I know. I thought that was fine. And Enjoy I'm not going to out the
0: person who came up with those suggestions. Oh, the, I didn't all even the tell you the person? worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you, What's that?
1: Tell us
2: now. The
0: worst, the worst one I've ever heard, and I'm not going to say who came up with it, uh, other than it's a former CBS employee. Wanted to create a mechanism where fantasy managers could pay to change their lineups <laughs> and and have it count. So the, <laughs> the idea of putting in a good player who's on the bench, you'd pay ten dollars to CBS and CBS would make that change for you in your league. That would oh, go not even well. to the league pot.
3: Oh, yeah, that doesn't terrible. go to the league pot, doesn't go to
0: the commissioner, <laughs> doesn't go to the, the guy you're playing against. It goes to CBS. I looked at him and I said, Are you crazy? People are gonna leave in droves if you do that. It's not worth it for even, you know. For any amount of money, the integrity goes out the window.
2: In yeah, the league no, pot, the league pot, you know, now you're just talking about hardcore capitalist league, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> maybe, I don't know.
1: I am going it's to start... The worst idea ever. I'm going to start compiling a new statistic this year, guys. I thought maybe could be done oh, no. in an automated... No, no. This is, I think everybody's going to like this. Maybe some people are already doing it. I don't know. I'm going to start multiplying fantasy points by start percentage so we can see the players that are actually contributing the most to fantasy teams.
0: Love
3: it. Yeah. I
0: actually like that. But what? at what point do you multiply? You're going to do that on a weekly basis? Yeah, every week. Okay.
1: I, the only, I Look, I should say I want to do this. There has to be a way to export this star yeah, right. data. So you. Otherwise, I'm it can be done, Adam. We
0: don't need to talk about but it. But
1: like now, James please. White, for example, he had one huge game against the Texans. Luckily I had his start percentage in my notes. He was started in thirty-four percent of leagues that week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love I, I think it's not gonna be great necessarily just for one year, but when you can compile this year over year and find out, well, yeah, he finished top twelve or whatever, but but he was on the bench for like three of his good games. You know, that happens year after year with some players. Yeah. I think it could be useful. Dude, All this right. is
2: I mean, that's honestly like a really good idea because it's a big reason why like we look at like league winners late in the year who have these really good stretches we're starting them every week, we're all experiencing how good it was. And then we go look at the year and numbers and even their points per game, it doesn't seem quite as good. And then you compare it to, you know, stuff like James white, like you were saying, where if he's really boom or bust and he's typically not very good or, you know, he's not in, in a lot of lineups when he's doing well. Like I, I think that's a, a good way to get at the players that are actually impacting fantasy championships and, and wins and all that.
1: Thank you. I thought it came to me when I was, um crushing everyone in poker the other night. Uh, <laughs> actually I've been wanting to do this for years. Uh, so right anyway, your here, victory. <laughs> here. are some Apple podcast questions from Great White Hark. Dear Clint, Tony Bruce and Peter. Those are comic book characters. Yeah, that's
2: the Marvel universe, right? Probably, sure, why not. You answered
1: yes. a question in one of the recent pods about robust running back draft strategy. What would a strategy be for the opposite, taking three wide receivers in the first four rounds?
0: The old zero RB, right? Yep. Well, with, if you have you know, running a little bit there. of a concentration on wide receivers. Nothing right. wrong with it in PPR. I, I I would hesitate to do it in non PPR.
2: And and you can even he said take three in the first four. You can take one running back, and it obviously wouldn't be the you know the the strict zero RB idea, but it would be essentially like a modified zero. RB. It's the same kind of solo strategy. Solo RB, yeah. You're not solo RB. I like it. You're not getting. Um, this, the, the argument for doing that is running backs get hurt, um, at a higher rate and you're, you the more running backs you take early robust running back, you're going to be able to, um, start some of those running backs. Even if others get hurt, you're, you're building some depth. Um, zero RB is like, we're going to completely avoid or one RB. We're going to try to completely avoid that risk and hope that we hit on some upside late round running backs that end up playing like top players. Cause you do see those guys occasionally and then you can build just a dominant team because you have these elite receivers and everything else. So it's a different strategy, but it works.
1: From Swimmy it, it Joe. Can. We got a question from Swimmy Joe. Uh, I'm in a 10-team Dynasty League, half PPR. Should I trade Chris Godwin and my 2020 2.6 pick for A.J. Brown and the 2020 1.2 pick? Godwin and 2.6 for A.J. Brown and 1.2. Of this year's rookie draft?
2: I mean, I'll let Dave answer first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what you're going to say, Ben. Uh, I'm sticking with Godwin in the 2.06. I think you're crazy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Is it 1.02? Yeah. 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 I misread it. I'm taking it back. Yeah. I'm taking it back. You get either
2: Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hillary.
0: And you get AJ Brown. Yeah, that's a no brainer. I thought it said 2.02. Okay. That's what I get for
1: not listening to Adam. I wonder how this guy got First the nickname Swimmy the Joe. Line. Probably a great story there. And last one, no name on this one, sorry. I'm
2: not even convinced AJ Brown's a downgrade from Chris Godwin, but we, we can move on. I have
1: Before. the number one pick in my dynasty startup draft, and I want to trade down. How much should I try to get for the number one pick in a dynasty startup draft?
0: This would be a great time to use Heath's dynasty trade chart yeah, and see what the drop-off is from Christian McCaffrey to... Um, not a running back like Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, but someone a notch down from there. Maybe it's Nick Chubb, who I think is a really good long term running back for Dynasty. And whatever that difference is, that's what you should ask for.
2: Yeah. And then go find the player that's worth that amount and see like what type of pick it is. I, I think Dave's absolutely right. It depends how right. far you're like trading back. It's like
0: six overall or something like that.
2: Well, yeah. It depends on how far you're trading back. If you're trading back to, to, fifth or whatever. I I I'm fine adding just like a third round or fourth round. If if somebody's going to give you to come back from 101 to like 105 and also a top you know 30 or 40 dynasty player, like that's a that's a pretty big addition. That's a win.
0: It's a yeah. win plain and simple. But uh, on the flip side, you are giving up McCaffrey. You
2: are giving up McCaffrey. I mean it's damn it's tough. good. He's yeah. heath's
3: chart is a is a great piece of advice. He,
0: so
2: I
3: pulled up Heath's chart and two trades that he would make are the last pick in the first round first pick in the second round for McCaffrey or that 1.05 pick plus a late third rounder for McCaffrey a late third rounder that makes sense to me
0: well right, but guys. it wouldn't necessarily be a late third rounder because if if you're dealing with yeah, the person that's, that's got ahead. 1.05 he's going to have a you know the fifth pick in the third round yeah so try and get that pick right. so the that's one of the for.
1: All right, well, uh, why don't you just ask for one and two first and then go, all right, I'll take one and three. Well, of course,
0: that's what you should do. Yeah, easier trade.
1: Everybody, thanks so much for the great suggestions. Fun show today. We'll talk to you. we got four episodes next week. We'll break down the top 30 on Monday. Then we'll do sleepers, breakouts, and busts on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, We're really looking forward to it. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks again for listening. For Dave, for the Benz, I'm Adam. na 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 Nah.